My name is Bradley Rom, and I'm from Tampa, Florida. I'm 61 years old. My mission is to find a cure for MS and continue to bring awareness and raise money for MS as I've had it since 2006. And unfortunately, there's not a cure yet. And so I have a, as an advocate and advocacy, um, I ride uh, over 157 miles each year to raise awareness and money for the bike MS. I, I believe there's 90 rides throughout the United States. And uh, I take it upon myself to, um, not just for myself, but it's for those people that are struggling worse than me with their symptoms. Um, it's ungodly the amount of money that the medications cost these days. From when I was diagnosed in 2006, there was probably 10 drugs, um, Michael, and now there's about 20. And my medication back then was an interferon called bear, bear from, or bear interferon. It's an injection. And it was about $6,000. Now it's over $13,000 for a medication a month. So I got 14 vials. And that's just to uh, keep my MS as a stable as, as can be. That doesn't mean it's going to do that. Um, and there's medications that cost up to $160,000 every six months. So um, I took it upon myself when I was diagnosed back in 2006 that I was going to change the view, the vision of what people thought MS was because I never knew what it was when I was diagnosed. I had to get taught and learned by my neurologist. And I took the bull by its horn as hard as it was to wrap that rope around that bull's horns. Um, I, I had from no feeling in my left arm, completely dead. Um, as I talk to you here right now, both my arms are asleep, both my legs, half my face are completely numb. It's that feeling when you fall asleep on your arm or your leg, that's 24 seven with me. And that hasn't gone away. So imagine yourself waking up one day in bed and not able to move your limbs or your legs. As, as healthy as you can be, you, you couldn't move. And you're like, what is going on? So that feeling that I had, that was for about four or five months, going to, a neuro going to several neurologists, having blood work done, several MRIs done, having a spinal tab done. And now here I am in 2022, 20, almost 2020, 2023, I'm able to ride on my bike. I'm able to golf. Um, I, I do get fatigued. I mean, that's my, that's my, um, obstacle that I have every day that, uh, the, my energy level is so high, obviously just talking with you about MS itself, because I like to get the word across to people that your life doesn't have to end just because you're diagnosed with MS or any other type of disease that's out there. So, um, I formed a team, uh, for my bike MS. It's, it's, this is my logo, Romp to Cure MS. And I have 25 to 30 riders. And our ride is March 18th and 19th of 2023 in Orlando. And you get the ride either 35, 50, 75, or 100. I obviously do the century, the 100 miles for day one. You have a little party banquet with about 1,000 people. You get up the next 
next morning and you ride 50 miles. So it's a total about 157 miles. So it's, it's, uh, it's grueling. I can tell you that being on a bike for six and a half, seven hours for one day. After your uh, diagnosis, what motivated you to uh, begin this bike ride? You know, in a weird way, um, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I believe in God and I believe that he, he blessed me having MS. And you're probably thinking he blessed you with MS. That's, I'll say it again. He blessed me for MS. Why? Because it made me a better man. It made me a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better uncle, a better friend. It changed me as men and women. We have this human shield that we have uh, when we're younger or older that nothing can get in my way. And I was very athletic growing up in elementary, middle school, high school, college, played all sports, wrestling and track were my main sports. In 2006, uh, we were out in Hawaii celebrating my wife's uh, 40th birthday. And we were playing around a golf with some friends of ours and had a great day playing golf. I had a great round and the wives were at a spa and the gentleman that I was with, uh, Dr. Farina, he goes, why don't we do it a spa? And I'm like, okay. So we were going into the spa and out of nowhere, there's a shale um, at the Grand Wailea in uh, Hawaii, shale rock right before the steps. I fell out of nowhere, just lost my bounce and fell. And I busted my right toe. How do I know I busted my right toe? I could see it. And there was a doctor that was on the premises so we went to go see that doctor and, you know, you broke your toe. And then all of a sudden the next few days that we were there. So I cut all my shoes out like a hole in the right toe and flip flops. And I had called my uh, friend of mine, John Small here in Tampa, who is a neurosurgeon for the brain and spine. And he goes, Brad, you probably have a herniated disc because I had pins and needles in my left arm. And with a herniated disc, you get that. So we came back. And I went to a friend, of, uh, I, I talked to John Small and John was out of town. So he goes, go see my, my partner. So in the meantime, I went and saw a chiropractor and chiropractor is a friend of mine that was coaching with me. I was coaching my son baseball at the time. And I went into his office and there again, I, I lost my balance and I fell. And he's like, Brad, what's, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, I know I broke my toe, but you know, we're out having something to drink. And I'm like, no. You know, I don't know why this is happening. So he didn't, he didn't align me or anything like that. He was really treating me for my broken toe. He goes, let me take an x-ray for you. And my brother's a chiropractor in Brandon, Florida. And let me do a, uh, get an MRI, an open MRI. So he didn't open an MRI, nothing showed. So my neighbor across the street had noticed that I wasn't walking right. He's a, a, a pediatric uh, Dennis, Dr. Uh, Greg Stepanski, who's on my team, his brother has MS. He saw the signs of me and knew in his head that I had MS. So another friend of ours down the street um, is a radiologist, uh, Dr. Van Fleet, and he had ordered an MRI for my closed MRI, got the MRI on a Friday. They didn't read it. So Greg 
called Rob and said, hey, you need to look at Brad's films. He's going ballistics. He can't go over the weekend not knowing what's happening with them. Yeah. So he came to our house, picked up my films, went to his shop, came back. He told me to send my kids outside. At the time, my son Zachary was 12. My son Jake is nine. And he put him up on our, our mitered window. And his his face was, was white. And I'm like, something's not right. And I'm thinking cancer or something like that, Michael. He goes, Brad, I don't know any other way to tell you, but you have MS. And I said, okay, what is MS? And I'm thinking Michael J. Fox, what he has, and it wasn't that. He goes, you have lesions on your brain and your spine. I go, leeches? You know, like, and he goes, no, not leeches, lesions. I said, well, kind of explain that. So based on my brain and my spine, where those lesions are, are the symptoms that I had. And the symptoms at that time were, I was losing mobility of my left arm. Like I couldn't pick up my phone. I couldn't pick up a glass of water and it was progressing. So Rob Van Fleet, my um, friend on the street that read my films goes, I have a friend of mine in Atlanta um, that runs the MS uh, division up in Atlanta. And he has a friend of his that went to school. His name is uh, Dr. Mark Cassione. Guy with Dr. Cassio in the next week, he is my go-to guy. He spent two and a half hours with me. He goes, the only thing I'm going to tell you, Brad, that I want done is a spinal tap. I was like, oh, no. You know, I know what women go through when they go through pregnancy. So I got a spinal tab, and that was the outcome of I have MS. So what do I do from there? He explained the medications. He said, go home, look at all these videos, and it's all – older people in wheelchairs and stuff like that's depressing. You know, I'm crying my eyes out that this is what my life is going to be like. So that's when he goes, Brad, he goes, I can see that you're very um, athletic. You want to get back to that. He goes, I'm going to recommend the interferon by Bear, but I want you to look at all this stuff at home and then call me back. And then I'll have a, a, a nurse come out, show you how to do the injections and all that. So we started on the interferon and I've been on it for uh, 17 years. So I took it upon myself, Michael, when, when I couldn't lift this arm up, I would stand up in front of my mirror at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, take a, a three pound weight and just lift it with helping with, with my right arm. Just keep lifting it. For months I did that. My wife in the middle of the night would take my arm, my limb, and bring it over because I, I couldn't move in, in bed that way. I would come home. Uh, I have a healthcare company, so I'm in the healthcare. So I deal with people that have MS, have Parkinson's, diabetes, dementia, all sorts of diseases. And here I have MS, and I have clients that have MS that are bedridden. So here I am working out in front of the mirror, crying, trying to do this. And I would go to work, and I couldn't unzip my pants. I couldn't unbutton because I, I had no functionality of my fingers. It's just, and sometimes I still get that feeling. So that kind of went away. Um, the numbness and tingleness, Michael, has never gone away since I've been diagnosed. And so when I work out hard or I have a hard ride, I get, it's like my muscles are contracting and it's like they're coming out of my skin. 
it, it's it it hurts. Um, and I take medications for that, and I have restless legs, so I have to take medications for the restless legs, and I have terrible sleep disorder, which is my worst enemy because I need more than five, six, seven, eight hours sleep. I get two, three hours sleep a day. Oh, geez. So imagine working out. And if I did a workout with you, I'm using three times as much energy as you. So people living with MS, we use three times as much energy. So now go back to me riding a bike. 2006, I was diagnosed. My first ride was in 2007. I haven't missed a ride since then. And I've done 100, 305 miles every year. And the second day, the 50 miles. And I don't know how I do it. Um, the man upstairs has control. I just said to myself, I want to change the outlook and the image of people living with MS. And I, I do the best I can uh, promoting MS through the, not only through the society, I'm, I'm an advocate, I'm a chairperson. I do all the TV um, and radio interviews pre the ride. So the local channels, ABC and Fox News. I average anywhere between thirty and $35,000 a year on raising money for our chapter. Um, and then our team, Romp to Cure, we do about fifty to 60000 So I want that to be at $100,000 because I feel that this disease that costs an average of $88,448 people living with MS. That's staggering. Jeez. Almost $90,000 it costs the average person living with MS. So that's with medications, therapy. Now imagine, Michael, people that don't have insurances and they need that help. So the fundraising is so huge for not only the walk and the ride, that's why I knock on every door. If I got to knock on it four times until someone opens it, I'm going to knock on that door four times with businesses, with friends, through uh, Instagram, through Facebook, um, you know, uh, being interviewed by you. People need to understand that this is the disease that affects your central nervous system, your autoimmune, and there's no cure for it yet. So, it's staggering with the dollars that it costs for people that need um, not only the medication, but the therapy and the instruments to help them move their legs because they have club leg or they need uh, uh, um, bath chairs, you know, and chair rails. I have chair rails in my shower because I fall in that shower because my equilibrium is off. I have vertigo. So vertigo is another thing. I still have it to this day. So it feels like I'm drunk when I close my eyes. I, I feel like I'm swaying. That's all because of the MS. You touched on a little bit about, you know, having uh, your wife around helping. And then you mm -hmm. said uh, she works out with you. 
How yep. important is it to have a strong support system for you when you're going through this? Huge. And I'm going to tell you, the MS Society was my first person that I went to. Besides my my dear wife, Michelle, that we've been married for 32 years, that she has been at my side since that day one when I got diagnosed with MS. And both of my kids and my son, Jacob, that's 25 years old, uh, God bless him. He played football for three out of four years at University of Miami. My other son, Zachary, played football at Berry College up in Georgia. Then he went to USF. And now he's a chiropractor. And up in Chicago, he's working for a gentleman up there right now, has two sons. And you know what he's specializing in? Is MS. People living with MS as a chiropractor. So there's methods, there's ways to help people living with MS, just the way the he can align the human body, you know, going to school for four years, my son, and and dissecting cadavers and learning of people with uh, these different diseases and how different um, ways he can touch your body to help symptoms to people with MS. Yeah, I can't wait till my son moves back here from uh, Chicago to Tampa to help me out. So he has me going to a chiropractor here. I don't go enough. So I, I'm not, I don't want to lie and say I'm going all the time. I need to. But support staff started from the MS Society. And I reached out to them to talk about life living with MS. And then I was very quiet my first two or three weeks that I had it. Then I said, you know what? I need to let people know what's going on with me. And I need to get out there and help others that are worse than me, that have optical rights that they can't see, or they're walking with a cane, or they're in a wheelchair, that are my age or older or younger. So a support staff is huge reaching out to those people. So I do the bike rides. I do the walk. I do other um, charitable events for other diseases that are out there. Wounded Warrior, I help out with with that organization, riding the bike, raising money for the, that, that organization as well. But working out, if it's just doing walking, if you're in a wheelchair, doing band exercises, or getting on a treadmill, health is so important for people with MS or non-MS. People with MS, it's helped me. I mean, I, I am here to say that that has helped me tremendously with my MS and the place that I work out with Michael has, has changed my life because of the training that I've done. It's helped me with my balance. I'm stronger than I've ever been. I take my medication every day. Do I have bad days? Yeah. Do I get depressed? Yes, uh, I do. But somehow, some way I overcome it and I, I try to inspire people and motivate people that, are in this corner with having a consistent workout routine how important is it to have that for both physical and mental health it's my routine every day if i'm not if i'm not uh, working out um i'm working out in my pool back here mm. i'm swimming in my pool keeping my body active um but for the most part it's it's riding on my bike uh, when i can and I've, I've unfortunately, uh, in the 17 years that I've had MS, I've had some 
um, relapses, and the relapses are usually brought on from injuries. I've had two injuries since uh, I was diagnosed with MS. Um, well, three, if you count COVID. We were remodeling our house. The, the workers weren't here. My, my general contractor wasn't here yet. So I was trying to move one of our cameras in our house. So I'm on a 12-foot ladder, and I felt like I was MacGyver. I was up there for like five minutes flying in the air, not knowing where I'm going to fall. And I fall on my ankle, shattered it. My wife was working out at the time. And the phone was at the opposite end of where I was, where I fell. So I went to my phone. I FaceTime her. I'm screaming to have her come home. We go to the, the hospital up the street. This is when COVID was, was bad. So go to the doctor, walk-in clinic. They say your, your foot obviously is, is broken. You're going to have to surgery. I, I called both my orthopedic doctors. They said, Brad, you need surgery. You can't do that for a week. It's too swollen. So they put a big, like somewhat um, cast on my leg. And what I did is I ordered these, um, it's like dolphin skin or, you know, the stretchy things when you're working out. Those oh, bands. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's made out of that the fan exercise. It's to put over your, your cast on your arm or your leg and you use a pump and it seals tights there around your cast so it doesn't get wet. So, of course, knowing me, I can't stop working out, even though I have a busted foot, no surgery yet. So I'm in the pool doing laps and I go up and down my pool and I can hardly breathe. I'm like, what is going on? My wife's inside. I go inside and she's like, what's up? And I have asthma. So I take a couple inhalers and my dumbass, I go back outside. I go in the pool and I do another couple of laps. And I could, I could hardly talk. So she calls our neighbor, Mac Anderson, a pulmonary doctor. He goes, I'm going to call Tampa General. There's two Tampa Generals. There's the main Tampa General, which is downtown Tampa, which is where the main COVID unit was for COVID back in 2019. He had me go to Brandon Hospital so I could go get in right away. Don't know that I have COVID. Get swabbed. My wife looks at me dropping me off because she can't go inside the hospital. She hands me my dob kit with all my medication in there. She looks at me and she goes, honey, I love you. Please, whatever it is, do not get on a respirator. That was her last words that she had said to me. Not knowing I had COVID yet. Go inside. They take my temperature. I have a hundred and two and a half temperature. Oh. They swab me, COVID. They take me in a room that is all sealed off with these air conditioned vents, sucking the bad air out and new air coming in. Everyone's got like these space suits on. Um, it was crazy, Michael. And they come back, said I have COVID and I had not just pneumonia, I had double pneumonia. So now it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm there for six hours. They put an IV in me for fluids and they put a new steroid in me, some type of steroid that is for people that have a compromised immune system, which I have because of my asthma and MS. Mac Anderson, my pulmonary doctor, is the one that said, and Dr. Cassione both got on the phone and said, this is what they should do. Brad, here's what your doctor is. So I can't hardly talk or breathe. So I got a notepad that I'm writing things down to the doctor at the time, Dr. Young. And he comes in, opens up the door, and he goes, Mr. Rump, and I look at him and I, and I shake my head, yes. And he goes, we need to transfer you to the COVID unit at Tampa General. 
And he goes, you got to airlift you or taking an ambulance. And I'm like, I'm not going to another hospital because I was too scared to leave where I was. Right. And knowing that the COVID unit was at Tampa General, where there's thousands of people there. So I text my wife saying, I'm on my way to Tampa General Hospital, the COVID, because they can't treat me for pneumonia and COVID at that hospital. So they take me. 20 minutes later, I enter Tampa General Hospital, and they bring me in the back way, Michael, where there's probably 30 tents set up with people getting tested for COVID. I started hyperventilating because now it's real, and I see all these signs COVID. They take me to the glass doors, and they they stop. They tell the, the paramedics, stop. He's got to change all of his clothes again, and the paramedics got to change their scrubs to go inside because it's that structured. So they take me in the elevator, they take me up to the sixth floor. At that time, at 1.30 in the morning, all the lights are dim. It's like watching um, uh, Chicago MD, you know, uh, um, with, you know, late at night, all the lights are dim. Yeah. And I'm hearing these do-do-do-do, all these instruments, all these gauges going out. I'm hearing flat lines meaning people dying i look at the paramedics both on each side of me as they wheel me and i go like this stop and they're like don't ask mr rob because i know you can't talk you can hardly breathe and i write on there tell me those are what i think they are and they said yes oh my god i'm like you gotta be kidding me that this is what's happening with me right now. And they put me in, in the room and they have a respirator there right next to me. They put me on oxygen. They do another round of the steroid and I'm in there and I have my phone with me. And the, the doctor comes in and he goes, um, doctor, whoever it was, and there's a new um, nurse that's in there. They take all my vitals. They take all my medications that I'm taking, my MS. They see that I have a broken leg. They're like, what happened with that? And I'm writing all this stuff down because I, I can't talk. I can't, I'm, I'm suffocating on my own saliva, basically. I'm drowning is what I felt like with the COVID. And they said, if your peak level is dropped down to 95, we have to put the respirator on. And I wrote him, I said, I am not going on a respirator. You have to go on a respirator, Mr. Rob, if this goes to there. So I watched it. I went in at a 97, goes down to 96. Day two, stays at 96. Day three, 96, 95. And I'm, I go to the nurse. There's a new nurse. She's from Sarasota. She had COVID before. And I said, please tell me what I'm in for. I'm, I'm writing this down. I had a journal. And she goes, I didn't have it like you, Mr. Romp. She goes, the peak. So they had this little apparatus where I breathe in and breathe out. And there's a little ball gauge that goes up and down. There's a word for it. I don't know what the machine is called. To open up my, my lungs. So I have bronchitis. I have double pneumonia. I have MS. I have my asthma. And they're doing treatments every three hours, every six hours. And that respirator sitting right next to me. And I don't know what I'm doing, Michael, at the time, but I am 
saying my goodbyes to my mom and dad, my wife, both of my kids. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me that this is where my life is going to end in this hospital because of, I thought I had it bad enough with cope with my MS and here I have COVID. And this is the way that God wants me to go. I said, I, 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 I'm not going to allow this to do it. I kept that camera watching my peak levels and I'm praying to God, please don't let it drop down. And I'm looking at the respirator. And I'm, I'm like, there's no way that I can have this happen. So and it never fell. So day four, they said that it went back up to 96. And they said, we called your wife. And she's going to pick you up downstairs. And I'm like, thank God, you know, this. So I lost 17 pounds in those four days. And I looked disheveled. I have a video of me getting um, rolled out in a wheelchair down at the COVID unit where my wife picked me up. And I'm, I'm all like this. I'm at home for two weeks. I have to be at home for two weeks. I can't see anyone. I'm running a healthcare company and I can't hardly speak still. And then I, and then they, um, after COVID, they call it fogginess and it's your brain is foggy. And that lasted for eight, nine, 10 months. And they, the doctors at Tampa general and USF university of South Florida from the veterans administration, they would call me every day to check in on me to see how I was doing. And I'd be answering questions and they're like, are you okay, Mr. Rock? And I'm like, yeah, why? Because you're not making sense. And that was a fogginess. I thought it was the MS, but it was from the, the COVID. So the battle through what I've gone through with my MS to date, the, the COVID, my broken, my broken ankle, I have to pat myself on the back that I've made it to where I have. And um, it, it, it's, it's, again, I say that it's not about me, Michael. It's about letting people know that with a little fight and prayers and support, as your question is support staff, that my wife, my kids, my friends that are out there that support me, my teammates on my ride, they gathered all around me. So I make it through all that. When I ride, I ride with um, passion and um, it, it's just something about the man upstairs that controls that I refuse to give in and I can't do this alone, Michael. I need help from people out there to, to support this disease support the rides, support the, 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 the walks that we have out there. It's not about me, Brad Rom. It's about making a difference in people's lives that are struggling with this disease that needs help and needs people out there to raise awareness and raise funds. So one day I could be interviewed and say, I'm cured with MS. That's, that's what, what I'd love to have. Reality check right now. Mile and a half, two miles out. I'm spent. I'm emotional drained. And I'm fighting it.
I push myself for all the other people that have the MS and debilitating diseases. So I appreciate you guys, you know, coming out here and supporting and helping me and having fun like this too, right? Thank you for writing. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Uh,